Hey everyone, this is a bonus Q&A episode. I try and uh, answer questions live every Thursday. Uh, You can sign up to come to my free live Q&A at schoolforthedogs.com slash Q and A and you will see the next one I'm doing. I then am trying to take recordings of those Q&As and post them here to the podcast feed. If you have a question, you can email me directly, Annie at School for the Dogs. You can also go to anchor.fm slash dogs and record your question there. Thanks for being here. Hi, my name is Annie Grossman, and I'm a dog trainer. This podcast is brought to you by School for the Dogs, a Manhattan-based facility I own and operate along with some of the city's finest dog trainers. During this podcast, we'll be answering your questions, geeking out on animal behavior, discussing pet trends, and interviewing industry experts. Welcome to School for the Dogs podcast. Hey guys, Annie Grossman here. I am live answering dog training questions today. And uh, we're starting with this one from Rachel. Um, So my husband and I just started listening to your podcast when we adopted our puppy, Penny. She's a total sweetheart and very passive. When you go to get her, she just rolls over and wants belly rubs. Um, We brought her home a few days ago and she met our neighbor and loved him. However, after a day of settling in, she began barking at him whenever we were outside or going for walks. Also on our walk, she started barking at all older men. She met another neighbor who was a younger man and she did not bark at all. She's only six months and we are hopeful we can get her comfortable with some training. Any advice or guidance with this? Thank you, Rachel. So great question, Rachel, and I'm glad that you're dealing with this on the sooner side um, because, you know, so many behaviors that can develop into, you know, behaviors that are really difficult and dangerous stem from fear. And it sounds like you're noticing that um, Penny is a little bit fearful of your neighbor. Now, you know, it's possible that, you know, it looks like you're, you're noticing a pattern that it's men, it's possible she had some kind of bad experience uh, with a man in the past and that's causing this behavior. Uh, It's possible also that she just wasn't really exposed to that many men before this, who knows? But rather than worrying too much about what's causing her to be this way, I would just really focus on how you can help her feel good about whatever men are around her. So, you know, the easiest thing, of course, is um, I would try and uh, make sure that your husband is the one giving her a lot of her meals and doing a lot of training with her, giving her treats, just like having good times with your husband will probably help um, help her create, you know, new and good associations with different men. Um, You know, you could also try and have your husband literally put on different hats, um, have him dress differently, have him, you know, 
if he has a beard, have him shave a beard. If he doesn't have him grow one, like, you know, given that we're living in a time where it might be hard to have every guy, you know, come over and hang out with Penny so that she can feel good about every, every guy you want her to feel good about. Um, you know, you might need to, um, have your husband do a little bit of extra work, uh, <laughs> in kind of putting on costumes as it were to get her used to people who look a little bit, um, a little bit different than him. Um, but certainly when you're out, as soon as you see a man, uh, I would try and forge a good association for her by giving her um, something delicious, ideally before she starts to bark. But even if she is barking, um, I would still try and, you know, give her that yummy piece of sausage or bacon or whatever. Um, and you can give it like in the opposite direction from the scary thing to try and uh, like take her attention away while also um, creating that good association, you know, neighbor equals treat. Um, and I like using stuff like peanut butter, other things that are in tubes uh, for this kind of thing when you're outside, especially because your hands won't get gross, which is important when it comes to, uh, you know, wearing gloves, which is going to be soon. Um, but also like something like peanut butter in a tube um, is going to keep her mouth really busy. So she's not going to have like a lot of, you know, use of her mouth for more barking. Um, uh, you were saying, you know, is it, is it younger men, older men? It sounds like maybe it could be one or the other. I would just make all men a signal for you that Penny should get something really, really delicious. And, um, you know, don't push it. You know, that doesn't have to mean the man is giving her the delicious thing. It doesn't mean she has to interact with the man in order to get the delicious thing. I want to, I want the first step to be presence of a, of a man, even if it's, you know, 10 feet away equals something good. And when you start to notice that her body language is showing you like she's a little bit more comfortable when new men are around, then you might start seeing if the man will toss a treat to her or if, um, or if uh, you can approach a little bit closer. So Rachel, hope that helps. Um, another question here, this one is from Julia. Not sure if Julia's in the room. Um, Julia wrote, thanks, Annie. I'm trying to reshape my dog's brain. He is reactive to dogs and people walking past. So we sit at our front door or a gate and I feed high quality treats as they walk past. My question is, if he growls or barks, do I continue to feed him or do I wait until he settles? And should I put a mark with a quiet uh, and if he stops treat? I think she means if he stops barking, should I use the word quiet? Uh, same with if he runs to the fence and barks at neighbors. He's only outside if I'm with him but sometimes I'm not quick enough to stop him. Any advice would be really appreciated. Okay, well, I think there's sort of two questions here. One is, do you keep, if you're trying to, you know, use classical conditioning to help your dog, you know, create a new association with something like uh, the neighbors or dogs walking past and your dog starts engaging in the behavior that you're trying to change, like barking, do you still shove something delicious in your dog's mouth? Uh, and the answer is yes, but. The but is ideally you should be getting the good stuff to your dog before they're engaging in that behavior. You know, we don't 
want to encourage dogs to engage in behaviors that we're trying to get rid of. Like every time the dog is barking at the other dogs or barking at the neighbor, it's like he's working out that muscle. And, you know, we want that muscle to atrophy. So ideally, you know, you are creating, creating, working to forge that new association, uh, thinking about classical conditioning, getting the yummy stuff into your dog's mouth before they start to bark. However, uh, sometimes you might be late or your dog takes you by surprise. I would still shove the food in your dog's mouth or throw a bunch of really great food. Um, again, throw it away from whatever the trigger is um, because you're trying to change the conversation. You're trying to create a new association. You know, when I, I when I first started doing the Karen Pryor Academy, my very first uh, weekend workshop, you know, it's mostly it's remote, but they do you do um, four weekend long workshops. And two of the people that were um, in the class with me uh, there, one of the dogs, um, a big dog, uh, like a Rottweiler, uh, went and attacked the other person's dog who was like a Springer Spaniel. And uh, our instructor, Steve Benjamin, uh, took the the bigger dog, I think he was like a Rottweiler, I said, um, and shoved the dog's food in, the shoved the dog's face into a big bowl of food, like right, like grabbed him and shoved his face into the food. And it was like, what, I remember just thinking like, this doesn't make any sense, like you're rewarding this like bad behavior of the, of one dog attacking the other dog. And uh, it seemed completely crazy to me. And he said, you know, we're, we're changing the situation. And, um, you know, it took me a while to fully understand that. I think, um, honestly, like, it, it took me really thinking pretty hard about how classical conditioning affects our emotions, how it's so important to create, create associations um, in order to change behaviors. But, um, but uh, that was a real sort of like light bulb moment for me seeing him do that. You know, the, the example I often give, and I have an illustrated version of this, uh, <laughs> of this in the um, good dog training course. Um, the example I always give, it's like, imagine you were in a room quietly reading a book and a monster bursts into the room and you scream and then he hands you a hundred dollars. And then five minutes later, monster bursts into the room you scream, he hands you $100. You know, after like three or four repetitions, you're not going to be screaming when he comes into the room. You're going to be like, oh, that's my friend, the monster. Like, come sit down and like have a drink with me. But if somebody was watching the whole thing from outside, it would look like he was paying you to scream, right? So um, it's this kind of uh, funny thing where by... Um, ignoring the behavior and just focusing on the association, you can actually change the behavior. Um, so the second part of the question was, um, should I put a mark, like market, use a marker uh, or use a word like quiet? Um, I would first not worry about using a marker. I wouldn't worry about using a word. I would first just focus on getting this behavior. Um, and then you can start thinking about using a marker to really like pinpoint the moment that he's quiet. You can use a word like quiet. You can add that cue. But I think, um, you know, the, the simplest, most effective thing is going to be working at creating the new association. Because ideally your dog is going to be quiet and then stay quiet. 
you don't want your dog barking and then you asking your dog to be quiet because then that can become sort of like its own behavior train. Like I bark and then she says quiet and then she gives me a treat, right? I'd rather your dog just like not start barking to begin with. Um, so work on that and then come back to me and we'll talk about using a marker and uh, putting the whole thing on cue. And then the last part of Julia's question was um, if he runs to the fence and barks at the neighbors, he's only outside uh, by himself. Sometimes it sounds like usually she's with him outside. Um, you know, if, if running up uh, to the fence and barking at the neighbors is a behavior you want to get rid of, I would just make sure that you are uh, at this point, not letting him be outside unless he's on leash with you so that you can actually work on changing that behavior. If he's off leash and has a chance to do it again, it's like, you know, it's like putting money into that bank account that you, you know, <laughs> don't want him to have. Um, so that my suggestion is to, you know, be careful about using, a, using, not letting him be outside uh, unattended. However, you know, Running up to the fence and barking at the neighbors, I, I don't know. Some people want their dogs to bark at the neighbors. So I'm a little unclear the way you wrote this about whether it's a behavior you want to get rid of or not. You know, I, I always encourage people to not assume, you know, certain behaviors are just bad because um, there are lots of situations where people have dogs because they want them to bark at the neighbors. So it's not an inherently bad behavior. It just depends on, you know, what you want in your life with your dog. My dog barks when the doorbell rings and um, it doesn't really bother me. I, I've had people say to me, like, you know, you must not be a very good dog trainer if your dog barks at the doorbell. But I think it's actually pretty useful to have <laughs> an auxiliary doorbell to let me know when someone is here. Uh, and But that's me. That's my dog. That's my situation. Um, all right. Uh, a couple more questions that I printed out and then I'm going to do a couple of the ones that are people are asking here. Thanks. Thank you for these good questions. And thank you everyone who's joining on Instagram. If you want to ask a question, um, I'm going to put this in the Instagram. You can come join the actual webinar. Kristen writes, I just read your article about training a dog to go potty on command. I have a two-year-old Shih Tzu rescue that I got in April. She refuses to pee or poop in my yard. I have a small backyard, so not a lot of space to run, but I want to get her trained to go in the yard because winter is inevitably coming and I live in Wisconsin and I don't want to have to go on long walks uh, every time she needs to go. She will, she will pee in the backyard at night, but that seems to be the only time. When she goes in the yard, I always say go potty when she's in the act of going and I reward her. On occasion, I can get her to pee in the backyard before walks, but not consistently. Uh, today, I was determined to get her to go before our walk and we've been outside four times without luck. I stand there, I give her the potty cue, she won't go. Now we're to the point where she's also annoyed and is barking because I won't move and I won't move because she won't go and it's a vicious circle. Mind you, she hasn't gone potty since about 11 p.m. last night, so she should have to go by now. Looking for any tips you have, I've asked my neighbor to bring his dog over and have her pee in the backyard so there are other scents back there. He's going to start doing that this week. I'm at my wits end with this. Thank you in advance for your suggestions, Kristen's. Kristen, I like that idea of having the neighbor's uh, dog come over. I'm not sure I would have suggested that, but I think it's uh, it's actually pretty clever. Um, all right, so a couple questions here. Um, first of all, 
I wouldn't bother saying um, go potty at this point as she's doing it. I mean, you can, um, if you are gonna do that, make sure to just say it once. Um, the guide that she's uh, referring to here, I think we you can find it if you go to schoolforthedogs.com slash house. Uh, you can download our potty training guide, which does go over how to um, get a dog to potty on cue. Uh, schoolforthedogs.com slash house. Um, but kind of like in the question I was just talking about, I wouldn't worry too much about getting the behavior on cue at this point as far as using a word, because when you think about it, like all of it is a cue, right? Like being outside in the, on the street for your dog is a cue. Um, and you are changing that cue now by asking her to go in a absolutely new place, uh, which is your backyard. So first of all, um, I would suggest that you leash your dog when you take her to your backyard. I'm not clear from what you've written here if you're doing that, um, because probably one of the cues for uh, peeing and pooping is you putting your dog on the leash um, and going out your front door. I don't know the way your house is set up, but even if there's a way to put your dog on a leash, go out the front door and then go to your backyard, I would do that too. I want the backyard to sort of be as much part of the sort of going out on the street um, routine as possible. Um, you know, something else you could try to kind of bring the your outside, I'm imagining like a sidewalk situation uh, to the backyard. And this is an idea from my friend who's a trainer in New York City, Jay Andors. He sometimes has his clients um, go get like a little block of poured cement, which I think you can probably have made for you if you go to Home Depot, pick up some cement and um, make like a little a little sort of sidewalk e area. You know, we teach dogs to go and pee and poop outside on the sidewalk and then we ask them to go in our yards, which are grass, and um, we can make it a little bit more like the sidewalk that way. Um, but yeah, I would say put your leash on your Shih Tzu bring her out to your yard and have really no more outside street walks uh, from now on if the goal is to really get her to go in the yard. Um, and that might mean taking her out a lot. Uh, it might mean trying something like a cement block. Um, I think the idea of having your neighbor's dog pee there is probably smart because part of the reason dogs you know, like going out on the street is so that they can smell other dogs <laughs> pee, check their pee mail, as we say. Uh, you know, you could even get some other dogs to pee out there. You can actually buy uh, all kinds of animal urine online if you <laughs> if you try. Um, I haven't personally experimented with doing that kind of thing very much, but sounds like you're you're interested in experimenting and figuring this out. So those are my uh, those are my best suggestions. Um, and I would suggest that all outside time that's off leash only happen at this time in your, I'm sorry, all like yard time that's off leash at this point should only happen after she pees or poops. And, uh, you know, try also when you have her unleashed outside walking briskly, even if you're walking in circles, you know, part sounds like part of what's happening is she's getting frustrated. Well, she's going to be less frustrated if she's focused on keeping up with you, if she's uh, if she's getting some like physical exertion, which is probably part of the reason also that she likes going outside on the sidewalk. So hope that's helpful, Kristen. We had a couple more printed out questions here, um, but I'm going to see if I can address some of the ones that you guys are asking. 
let's see. Maggie says, my puppy is a seven-month-old Pomsky who recently got neutered. He always barks at other dogs during our walks, even before he got neutered. Uh, I thought he would calm down after the surgery, but he is still aggressive. Any tips tips to on how to train him to be less aggressive? So, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the time, People assume behavior changes are going to happen when a dog gets neutered. Um, and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But, you know, a lot of the time they're getting neutered like during adolescence, which is a time of great change for all animals. So sometimes I think um, changes that we attribute to neutering are actually due to um, just like normal, normal changes that have to do with, uh, with age. And also it's interesting that you say the word aggressive You'll notice a lot of the time trainers use the word reactive rather than aggressive. Why? Because, you know, your dog is clearly reacting to something, but, you know, it's very likely because of fear, um, not necessarily because, you know, he's like, you know, angry and violent, which are kind of like words that we more associate with something like a dog being aggressive. A lot of the times, especially, you know, if a dog is on leash, barking is the best way that a scared dog has to tell the other dog, like, hey, get away from me. I'm not comfortable, right? If your dog's on leash, they can't run away in the other direction. What can they do? Well, they can say with their voices, um, hey, I'm big and scary. I'm a big and scary Pomsky. I don't want you near me. So honestly, I, you know, like we've been talking about um, with some of these other questions, I would suggest focusing on trying to help your dog make some good associations with other dogs approaching. This is a kind of thing that we do a lot in our studio. It's one of the really nice things about having uh, you know, a dog training facility uh, with some space is because we can set up these kinds of scenarios where a dog, um, where we can have you know, a, a demo dog or which is sometimes actually a stuffed dog, <laughs> um, at a distance. And we can coach our human clients um, to uh, give their puppies or you know, your Pomsky or whatever um, good stuff, deliver the good stuff um, to create that good association before the dog um, goes bananas. And part of that is sort of you starting to recognize signs that your dog is feeling more comfortable around other dogs. Part of it is you figuring out what kind of distance your dog can handle and then working at that distance, you know, is is 12 feet fine, but 10 feet, you start to notice he gets stressed out, then, you know, then let's work at 14 feet. Um, we're always trying to set them up for success in that way. So New York City can be hard because they're, uh, you know, it can be hard to set up situations. Um, but if you are working with a trainer or even if you have some friends who will uh, who have dogs who will work with you, try and find sort of like as open a spot as possible um, and put that that friend with a helper dog at a distance that your dog can handle. And every time your dog looks at that other dog, I want your dog to get some delicious thing. And again, um, that delicious thing, you, you can deliver it behind you away from the other dog. Um, I mean, there are all kinds of things you can do to help dogs who are reactive on the street with other dogs. I'm giving you kind of like a, a very condensed short answer. Now there are gonna be dogs that you pass on the street, of course, and in those situations, um, again, I would try and get something good into your dog's mouth if possible before he starts to bark. I love, again, using like our liquid treat dispenser for this kind of thing. We have all kinds of really good lickable treats at storefordhedogs.com, uh, one of them being the liquid treat dispenser that you can fill with peanut butter, 
cream cheese, whatever, great for this kind of thing. But you know, you can also work on training your dog to go to the other side, you can, you know, train, train a position cue, so that if there's a dog coming on your right, you can train your dog to go on the left. But again, ideally, you want to try and like set up some situations um, where you can practice working on this stuff uh, at a distance that your dog can handle. Maggie has a second question. My dog keeps pulling his leash when we're on walks. How do I stop him from doing that? I tried teaching him heel, uh, so he walks near my feet, but he only does it after the walk. Um, okay, again, this is like a question that could give a very long answer to, but my short, <laughs> my my short answer to dealing with leash put, pulling, especially you know with a young energetic pom Pomsky. First of all, um, you know, make sure that he's getting adequate exercise and playtime. You know, seven months old, he's still really young. Um, part of the reason he's barking at other dogs, I don't know, you know, your situation 100% at all, but might be because he's not getting a lot of um, good off-leash time with other dogs. So every time he sees another dog, he sees it as sort of like a frustrating social opportunity, and the best he can do is is bark. Um, <clears throat> pulling might be uh, caused by something, you know, similar, kind of like not getting enough chance to like get his his crazies out. And so he's trying to like pull to the next thing, get you to go faster. One thing um, I like to suggest, and this is like what I was saying about the person who's trying to get their, their dog to pee outside is switch directions, <laughs> switch directions a lot, be a really, um, be a unpredictable navigator. You want your dog outside to be like, God, you know, Maggie walks really fast and I can never tell where she's going to go. So rather than just being out in front of her, I better really tune in to what she's doing and where she's going so that uh, I'm not left and lurch. Because, you know, if you switch directions now, the dog who, who was pulling in front of you is going to be behind you um, and is going to be a lot more focused on you. So switch directions, walk really quickly, make sure he's getting a lot of um good off-leash, you know, uh, good playtime with other dogs. Um, I'm a big fan of, of playtime that's just one-on-one. -on -one. I don't think dog parks are right for many dogs, especially like a young, a young small dog. I'd be a little bit worried about bringing your dog to a dog park, but can you arrange playdates with other dogs that you know? You know, one, one really awesome thing about like the School for the Dogs community is, I mean, be, we also have like our own, um, if you're in New York City, you should totally come. We have a uh, our own off-leash trainer supervised play times. We call it schoolyard, um, but uh, it's a nice way uh, for people to connect with each other so that they can have play dates. Um, you know, with a, with a seven month old Pomsky, you could probably arrange a play date in your apartment. You don't need a huge amount of room. Beyond that, you know, there's certainly equipment that, that can be helpful. Um, I really like uh, the Freedom Harness. Um, which we carry comes in small sizes. Uh, the rough wear harness, front range harness, I like to. Both of these are harnesses that you can attach the clip on the front, and that can really help with um, to reduce pulling. But um, I try and think about you know equipment second to uh, other stuff that you can do to change the dog's behavior. All right, Yolanta writes, my question is this. For a few days now, Cody is pinning, pining for my neighbor's young female dog. She has a few houses down across the street. Cody sits in the corner of our yard and cries facing their house. She isn't outside because they don't have a fenced yard. He also cried while inside the house last night and this morning quite a bit, showing signs he wanted to go out. I suspect she is in heat. Cody isn't neutered. I wonder how to help Cody cope. <laughs> Redirecting with toys or treats isn't going well. Oof. You know, I... 
we I have worked with so few dogs who've gone into heat or male dogs who've been around dogs in heat who male dogs who aren't neutered that like I actually feel like I'm ill-equipped to answer this question Yolanda to be totally honest um <laughs> sexual frustration in dogs is not my specialty. I work mostly with with uh, castrated male dogs. Um, I would suggest trying to, you know, arrange some play dates for Cody with other dogs that he can play with. I hope that will help. Um, trying to think of what else you could possibly do um, to try and I don't know mask the scent. I I don't think there's very much that you can do. I would try and focus on. Um, getting his energy out in as, as, you know, the best possible ways. I am going to ask some other trainers about this though, Yolanta, and get back to you. Cause I, I feel like uh, I really don't have a good answer and I feel bad for Cody because it must be frustrating. <laughs> my, my father, uh, my father, who I've, I think I've mentioned his weird dog training uh, ideas on the podcast uh, a few times. He, when I was, when I was, um, a kid, I remember he told me about uh, his dog that he used to have uh, when I was very little, who was a Doberman. And when she would go into heat and they were living, he was living um, in the country with her uh, and other dogs would come around. He would fill a um, squirt gun with Tabasco sauce and squirt it at the other dogs. So <laughs> not suggesting you do that. Just sharing that. Just sharing that uh, weird uh, kind of awful anecdote. <laughs> All right. Um Bethany writes, uh, my 10-week-old Golden has been nipping and biting at me. She does this more with me than with my husband. She jumps up to bite at my legs and clothes when I'm walking. Uh, she's made a few holes and she humps my leg. How would you approach remedi remedying this? Bethany, your puppy is trying to turn you into a puppy. And uh, she's trying to do this with her mouth. And it seems like it's not working. <laughs> the cure is going to be puppy playtime. Puppies need to play with other puppies. Um, so many puppy problems can be solved by good puppy play. Again, uh, I would not, this does not mean, you know, bringing your dog to a dog park and dropping them down there. Uh, it means finding like a, ideally a good playmate for your puppy and having some playtime ideally every day. I'd say like most puppies could benefit from like 15 15 or 20 minutes of playtime every day if you can arrange that. Again, it can just be in your kitchen. doesn't need to be, you know, um, some formal thing. Um, ideally, it should be with another puppy. A lot of adult dogs don't like other puppies, um, or a lot of adult dogs don't like puppies, I should say. Occasionally, there are adult dogs who are great with puppies. Um, if you happen to know an adult dog who's great with puppies and you want to have a playtime that way, you could do that. But um, the other thing I've been suggesting, uh, um, you know, especially during quarantine where people are having a hard time arranging puppy playdates is to, uh, you know, get a really long tug toy and play some really good tug, you know, get some distance between your hands and your clothing and your puppy's mouth. Um, and that's going to help her, you know, get some of her puppy energy out and it's going to save your clothes, et cetera, et cetera. Why she's doing it more with you than with your husband. 
I don't know, maybe you seem more puppy-like than your husband. Uh, another thing I've been suggesting to people during quarantine, which I don't normally suggest, you know, given the, the crazy times we're living in, um, it's not the craziest thing, I think, is to actually like get down on the floor and have some time where you're actually playing with your puppy like a puppy um, during designated periods. So she, you know, I don't want her treating you like a puppy all the time, but if you're not able to arrange good puppy play times for your puppy, the best you can do is try and be a good puppy. Um, go onto YouTube, look up some good puppy play videos, just Google puppy play, Google puppy, or look up on YouTube like puppies playing with their moms. You'll find probably some nice footage of of moms kind of like handicapping them themselves uh, in a way that's sort of like what a human might need to do when playing with a puppy. Um, like getting down on the ground, uh, putting like your elbows kind of down on the ground, um, butt up in the air. Puppies often do sort of like light taps with each other. Um, puppies will do um, like a lot of taking turns. Um, so set aside an hour to look up puppy playing videos on YouTube. This is your assignment. And uh, then you can try and be the best possible puppy for your dog. Uh, Rachel also has a second question. She says, we noticed that all around Penny is insecure and lacks confidence. We are now almost three weeks into her being home with us. Um, how do we help her build confidence? She is not aggressive with other dogs, but she jumps and bounces around them when they first meet. Again, I think that uh, probably Penny needs some good playtime with other dogs. This is probably going to help her gain confidence. Um, but also, you know, try and bring her to as many new places as possible. Um, have her meet new people. And while you're doing all of that, try and create these good associations. You want her to feel like, oh, you know, being in the car is an okay thing. Being in the bathroom is an okay thing. Being, you know, wherever, you know, you're, you want her to um, have as many good experiences in new places as possible. And don't, don't force it, you know. Uh, another thing that often happens um, that I think can chip away at a dog's confidence is we get too focused on the behaviors, on what behaviors we're, we, we think we want the dog to perform before we start, before we're thinking about like how we want the dog feeling. So, you know, it's good that you're noticing that she's maybe a little bit fearful, which is kind of like what a lack of confidence can be. So think about how you can change her emotions. And then you can worry about teaching her to sit, lie down, all the behaviors that we want. Too often, I think we put dogs into situations where they're not fully comfortable. And then we ask them to perform behaviors for us when we instead should really first sort of work on creating that really like solid foundation of them feeling good and then ask them to perform behaviors. You know, I always give the example, like in puppy kindergarten, people come in with their puppy they have this idea of like what a puppy in puppy kindergarten should look like. They want their dog sitting, paying attention, da, da, da. And I'll walk and I'll hear them saying sit. And the dog is like, you know, all over the place, you know, never been in a room with this many people and uh, this many dogs. And there's so many new scents. And, and the person saying, you know, sit, Penny, sit, sit, sit. And I'll come over and I'll be like, Penny, be cute. Good job. <laughs> you know, it's like you, I call it like criteria zero. That's what you're doing when you're, when you're socializing any animal and socialization is a lifelong thing. It's not just about puppies. Criteria zero is you are rewarding them for simply existing, and then you're gonna just slowly build that criteria. Okay, now she's existing and she's sitting, now she gets the treat, but just start with rewarding by existing. And you know, we go over a lot of this stuff in the Good Dog Training course, which you can find at schoolforthedogs.courses. It's also a dot com slash courses. Uh, also, um, you can find it at storeforthedogs.com. All right, I think I'm just going to uh, take 
One more question here. This one is another one I printed out like an old lady. <laughs> uh, this is from Denise who writes, hi, I live in Australia. My sister is in the UK. She had a dog from a puppy. She toilet trained it, got up for it, etc. For a year now, the dog refuses to go on walks with her. Uh, he goes with her husband or her daughters. Uh, she tries to lure him with treats, but once past the gate, he refuses to go with her. He will go in the car with her, but he won't get out to walk. Refuses. He will lounge with her in the house. The girls have now left home. My sister wants the dog to exercise. What can she do? He's a long-haired golden. Uh, King Charles Spaniel, I think. Long floppy ears. <laughs> wow, interesting question. So it sounds like the dog uh, had some experience with the sister that made him fearful about going out on walks with her um, but uh, and has associated this whatever scary thing it is with her and not with the husbands or the daughters. And, you know, that's interesting because this happens all the time that dogs can become fearful of something and we, like, don't know what it is and they can become fearful of something that has nothing to do with what we think they're fearful about, right? What I mean is, like, maybe one time you were out walking, uh, she was out walking with the dog and um, uh, a police car went by with a siren blasting and the dog got scared and now associates, you know, being outside and feeling scared with your sister. So, you know, made the connection like police siren sister or whatever. I mean, there's so many things happening in any given moment that's it, it, we can't probably go back and figure out what happened. Um, I'm thinking about our trainer though, um, <clears throat> Anna Ostroff, her dog one time was out in a skateboard, like skateboarder, she was already scared of skateboards, um, but a skateboarder like came like right up past her uh, and uh, Ginger became, I think, fearful of that block the block where the skateboarder approached her, right? Didn't actually, I mean, it could have happened anywhere. The block is not actually like a dangerous place. Um, if someone new had been walking Ginger at that time, rather than Anna who walks her, you know, 90% of the time, um, she might've made that association with the new new person. Um, so again, we, we maybe can't know why this happened, but my suggestion would be to go out with the dog in any way possible. So maybe get like a really big bag and start there. Start having the dog just feel good about being outside with your sister at all. Um, and see how that goes. Again, you know, if the dog, you know, if the dog is too fearful in any situation, the dog isn't going to eat treats or anything. Um, but if your dog is um, relaxed enough to be able to eat treats or, you know, meals or whatever, while in that bag outside with your sister, go for that, do that. You want your dog to be like, you know what, being outside with her actually isn't that bad even if he's in a bag. And you might need to get a really big bag for this. Um, Canine Sports Sack makes um, really nice big dog bags, uh, backpacks. We also have a lot of clients who use boat and tote bags, which are like those like big canvas bags. You can get them at L.L. Bean. They're not actually made for dogs, but you can use them for dogs. Uh, you can particularly use them for big dogs. The other thing I was going to suggest is that you start, or that she start walking the dog inside. So do do everything as if she was gonna take the dog out and then just walk around the apartment or walk around um, you know, the lobby of the building or wherever your whatever the setup is. Um, you know, kind of building the behavior of walking outside from the beginning 
You know, I just wanted to um, mention a, a case that uh, I dealt with a while ago now, but I, I remember it clearly where it was a similar thing. A little dog, um, I think it was like a Yorkie, uh, refused to walk with the wife, would only walk with the husband, couldn't figure it out. And, you know, and I explained to them kind of like I explained to you, you know, maybe something happened, who knows. <clears throat> but then I, I had them both show me like their routines of what they did when they took the dog out. Um, and I noticed that they each used a different leash. And one of the leashes, the leash that the mom, the, the wife was using, had a really big clasp that was attached to the dog's neck. And the other, uh, the, the spouse, the husband, uh, was using a retractable leash, which had like a very small lightweight clasp. And um, the big clasp, the, the woman did not like using the retractable leash and was using this like normal nylon leash with a big clasp, was banging the dog's face while they were walking. Uh, and the moment that she switched to a new leash, uh, to using the retractable leash, the dog was totally happy to walk. So that's a kind of, again, an example of like, it actually had nothing to do with the wife. Like they thought that the aversion was to, um, you know, that the dog didn't want to walk with one person, only wanted to walk with the other person. Actually, the dog was protesting because he didn't like the leash that one of the people was using. So, um, I, you know, I mentioned that only because it might be worth dissecting uh, everything that's going on with these walks. Where is each person walking the dog? What equipment is each person using? Um, Anyway, curious to see how that goes. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope that you will check out my free masterclass. I will put it here in the comments. You can get there at anniegrossman.com slash masterclass. If you have not seen it already, it is um, full of, I think, really useful, actionable uh, stuff it's about an hour long. It talks about our new online classes, which are uh, self-paced. Uh, at the end, there is a coupon for storefortheDogs.com if you go through the class. And um, I, uh, I think you will get something out of it. I think that's all. All right. Thanks a lot for being here. And I will see you guys soon. Thanks so much for listening. You can support School for the Dogs podcast by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, telling your friends, and shopping in our online store. Learn more about School for the Dogs and sign up for lots of free training resources on our website, schoolforthedogs.com.